Okay, folks, hey, welcome to The Probate Agent. My name is Anthony Nitz, and this is The Probate Agent Podcast. Welcome. This is where it all begins. So the big question is this. How are ordinary agents, just like us, supposed to stand out in the overly crowded real estate space while living a great lifestyle without having to go broke or radically change what we're already doing? Probate is the answer, and this series will show you how. I'm Anthony Nitz, and welcome to The Probate Agent. Welcome again to The uh, probate agent podcast again my name is anthony nitz and i'm going to be sharing with you some information you know a lot of us we know that probate is one of those things as real estate agents that uh, we probably should focus on and i wholeheartedly agree with that but there's a lot of the right way and the wrong way to do it and um you know and some of the things that even the gurus are sharing you know they share it only because it's a topic of discussion in the real estate space but it never is really a focus of theirs, if you notice. And so we're gonna kind of dive into uh, the whole process of becoming a great probate agent. And, uh, you know, first thing, I'm just gonna kind of start out. I'm gonna tell you a little bit of my story because I want you to understand that, you know, I've got background in this. I've been, been at this for a long, long, long time and I've seen all the ups and I've seen the downs and I've seen the sidewayses and I've seen all the other uh, nuances of this aspect of the business. I've, of course, I've done other things other than probate, um, but I will tell you in my experience, probate is one of the uh, great tools that's out there because when you know it and you promote it and you specialize in it, you are looked at as being different in this space, which is so difficult to do when you've got so much competition out there, so many agents out there all fighting for that one little listing. Um, so let me just kind of start. Let me just kind of give you a little bit of my background. So first of all, I got into real estate because um, I, was a, I was a marketing director for a title insurance company. And I handled kind of just a region and it was mostly just the uh, Southern California area. And I was what I was doing. What my whole job was was I had to develop or develop um, marketing materials that the sales reps could then take out to the the field. This title insurance, remember, they would take out to the field to who real estate agents, right? And share with them in hopes that they would go out and get business. And then when they did, they would reciprocate and say, "Thank you so much for giving us that marketing." Um, you know, content that we could use. So it wasn't marketing materials for the title insurance reps per se. It was specifically for real estate agents so that they could go out, they could get business. And like I said, give us business in return. And I developed some innovative things. I'm not going to go into all the details of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I kind of built a, a reputation in the industry and whatnot. And so next thing I know, I was uh, recruited to another title insurance company to handle the large, um, the, the whole uh, western, western half of the United States as far as doing exactly the same thing. I just developed marketing materials 
for all these agents, or, and, and again, for the title reps to give to the agents and hope to get reciprocity, that would come back to us. It never worked out like that. But chances are, if you were in um, uh, in real estate in the early early to mid 90s, chances are you saw some of my stuff because we came up with some pretty innovative marketing tools. But the result was that a lot of agents were coming to us to say, hey, can you help us out? Because we were coming up with some really creative things. The good news was, uh, the way I came up with a lot of the stuff that I did was I didn't know anything about real estate when I got into working for the title insurance company. So I kind of made stuff up. And what I did was made stuff up that didn't even exist in the real estate space, which then at that time was, oh my gosh, it's innovative. Wow. Can't believe uh, we could actually do this. And, you know, and so that went on for a while. Uh, and then I was recruited to a, uh, a mortgage company to the, be their national marketing director for the entire United States. Did the same thing. Uh, you know, the whole focus for the mortgage company was getting purchase business. And so what they would do is they would go out to the real estate agents. They would say, hey, we'd love to get your buyer leads as far as uh, being able to get um uh, loans, you know, do first or go, do the buyer's loans for it and or even the seller's loans for that matter. Uh, so let us give you marketing materials that guess who created me <laughs> that would help you get that business in turn, give us your loan business back. Right. And so that was kind of my beginning journey. And so at the mortgage company, this was there was kind of a little transition that happened because I was doing this and I did it just for fun, man. I love doing it. It was so much fun just to create and make and, 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 and see people happy and having success. And in what, in one month, I don't, I don't remember exactly what month it was, but I had a couple of people come up to me and say some similar things. And it was along the lines of, well, one person in particular said exactly this. He said, Hey, Anthony, you know what, man, thank you so much for all of this. We are crushing it out there with this material. No other mortgage company has this. We are crushing it out there. I've made more money this month than I made last year, all from your marketing materials, right? And of course, I was happy to hear it. It was a pat on my back. I smiled. I looked and I went, wow, that's great. That's And then later on, the light bulb went out. Wait a minute. Wait just a second. <laughs> I'm doing all this work developing all this marketing materials. And while I was getting paid a good salary, I was getting paid a good salary. Um, I said, you know, gosh, maybe I should be doing this for myself. But I held off a little while. Um, until somebody said something that changed the course of my career forever. Right. And what it was, was at that mortgage company. I had done so much to help all these loan officers, you know, become uh, successful in their marketplaces just by giving them a plan and the materials to execute that plan. And at the time, you know, I, I, boy, I could have really used a new car. You know, nothing was wrong with my car, really. It was just outdated, old, you know. And all, all the other officers in the company were driving these, you know, really expensive cars now because of, you know, I, I, I'm going to claim it, the, the effort that I put into it, right? And so 
I went to the boss and I said, hey, uh, boss, you know, I've done all this stuff. We've massively increased revenue because of it. We've brought on, we've been able to recruit incredible loan officers because of it. You know, I really could use a, um, I really could use a car allowance. And the words that came out of his mouth, you know, kind of shook me at my core because he told me, he said, Anthony, um, I can't give you a car allowance. I can't pay you anymore. You have reached your cap. You've reached your limit as far as what you can make in this position. And I said, what? You've got to be kidding me with the amount of revenue that I was able to drive into that company and the um, success that these people were having. What do you mean? I'm at my cap. You know, um, how dare you? How dare you tell me that I have a limit to my value? I mean, don't you dare tell me what my cap is, what my limit is. And then I started kind of looking around and I started looking at some of these other loan officers and I started going, you know what, man, uh, some of these guys, they're just not the brightest bulb in the box, you know, but they're consistent. They go out and they do the work. They do what they're supposed to do, but they're just not that sharp. They're not that social. They're not, you know, they don't have a lot of the uh, um, uh, sales skills that I had had. And I said, gosh, if these knuckleheads are making a killing off of my work, you know, again, why not do it myself? And I just sat there and it stewed on me and just kind of brewed and bubbled and boiled for, you know, about a week or so. And I walked into the owner's office and I said, uh, hey, um, you know, I just want to let you know, uh, I've decided I'm going to make a change in my career. I am going to go and um, I'm going to go and uh, um, start selling loans. And, you know, his reaction was not a good reaction uh, because number one, first thing he did was he laughed. He laughed. And I thought, what are you laughing at? And and then he said to me in a very condescending tone, he said, do you even know what a debt to income ratio is? And I said, you know what? Yes. First of all, I do know what a debt to income ratio is. And secondly, you, you, you got some of these boneheads out here selling and they know what a debt to income ratio is. Why would you think that I don't know what a debt to income ratio is? And so it kind of became a little bit of a hot spot. We're like, you know, again, how dare you tell me I'm at a, ca a cap? How dare you, you know, uh, try to imply that I'm not as smart as these other people? And I get it. I spoke to him years later <clears throat> and he even told me, he said, you know, I really just wanted you to stay. You were doing a great thing for us. You were, you were building our business. And, and I was like, okay, I get it. I appreciate it. But um, at that point in time, the deal was sealed, right? I was like, I'm going to be coming. I'm going to become a loan officer. I'm going to start selling. And I actually went to work actually for the same company. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Okay, well, let's do it. Using my own marketing materials, I went out and I, uh, in three months, became the top producing loan officer in the entire company. Okay. And actually it was between me and one other guy. We were, we kept flip flopping back and forth, you know, between first and second. And so again, that was affirmation to me that, yeah, my stuff works. My marketing materials work. And why should I be letting other people, you know, uh, live off of that?
uh, you know, when I'm, you know, making a, a good but modest, modest salary, right? No. So I became a, good, a loan officer, top producing within the first three months and did that for a while. I just did that for a while. Um, my focus was first time buyers. That was really my focus because I understood something. I understood that I had to be in a particular niche or niche, as some of you guys uh, might say. Um, but you know, I had to I had to specialize is what I had to do in something because I realized with marketing that if you try to cover everything and you try to make everybody happy, then you're going to make nobody happy. On the other hand. If you are that person that is a specialist in that one area, everybody goes to you. Okay. Uh, we'll talk more about that later. But doing that, I did that for, you know, a few years, actually moved to another company, a lar much larger company, and was always in the top 5% of that company too. And so we were doing well. Um, but one day something happened. I had a client, and you guys tell me, did, I mean, if you can relate to this, had a client um as a loan officer or, or, or let me back up just a little bit one of the ways that i would get business from real estate agents was i would go out and i would generate the lead i would get i would find the buyers i would have them come to me before they even ever spoke to a real estate agent and so i was doing that and then what i would do is i would take that lead and as i'm trying to get busy from or, or business from agents that were you know, considered productive uh, and they're producing and making sales on a regular basis with buyers. I tracked the MLS, so I was always making, you know, if they're working with buyers, great. Those are people I want to talk to. Well, <clears throat> got this guy, this family. They came in. We sat down. Ah, credit, not that good. Okay, but they really wanted to buy. And so I said, okay, well, look, let me help you out. I put them on a course of credit repair. We started moving forward on the credit repair. I wrote letter after letter after letter on their, on their behalf to the credit bureaus and all the stuff. And after a year, it took a full year. Um, they said, you know, we, we checked our credit again and, and it's like, wow, okay, great. Your credit is now at that range where you can buy a home as a first time buyer without getting you know the bad end of the deal, right? And so they were excited, great, oh, let's do it. And I said, okay, good, look, I'm gonna refer you to one of my top agents. Now, this was a new agent that I was trying to get business from, so I called her up and I said, hey, you know what, I've got a, I've got a buyer, they're fully approved, fully done approved, okay? And as, uh, um, you know, I wanna send them to you so that you can just Take them out, you find them a house, it's a done deal. It's like walking in with a cash buyer, right? Uh, she said, great, that's awesome, thank you so much. You know, and I told her, I said, you know, I, I, my, my goal is to get business from you in the future. That's really what I wanna have, have happen, that's why I'm doing this. I made it clear to her. Well, um, they found a house, they went through the process, Went through escrow, all that good stuff. Uh, my loan documents were sent over, everything. And keep in mind, not a single word from that buyer uh, during that time that in, implied to me that there was any issues, any concerns, anything like that, right? 
Well, we come to the day when escrow is supposed to close. I get a call from the escrow company. The uh, escrow officer says, well, I got good news and I got bad news. I go, okay, well, what's the good news? And she said, well, we funded and recorded today. I'm like, oh, great, awesome. You know, I'm gonna get paid. She said, the bad news is it wasn't your loan. So what? You have got to be kidding me. You have got to be, what happened? What happened? I called them up. Turns out that real estate agent that I referred to, her boyfriend was a loan officer. She didn't tell me that. So her boyfriend was a loan officer. So she steered them over there, you know, like a criminal, like a thief in my mind. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he did the loan for him. Here's the thing there. When I called the buyer, they said, uh, well, you know, we, we, um, you know, we ended up going with that one because, you know, they saved us like $285 on the closing costs. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. $285. That's why you betray, you know, the work that somebody does for you for a year for free. Oh my God. Um, as it turns out, they got a quarter percent higher interest rate than they would have gotten from me, but you know, whatever. So anyways, that was kind of one of the things that helped me decide to go into real estate. That was the straw that broke the camel's back because I'm like, man, I actually went to my office manager and I said, hey, is there any way we can put a buyer on a contract that they have to do their loan through us or pay us? No, absolutely not. You know that if you're in real estate, you know. There is no way to do that, okay? Um, and so I just said, okay, you know what? I, I started having uh, my staff track something for me. So over the next six months, I said, I want to know on the escrow paperwork how much every agent is getting paid when they close a transaction, you know, for a loan that we're doing. And so we tracked it. And because we were doing first-time buyers, we were, only, we were getting a point. That's it. That's it. I know some of you who are in loans or have done loans, you know, you're, you know, reeling because, you know, there's a lot more money to be made there. But the types of products we were doing at the time, it was you get a point, but because they were so specialized, nobody else was doing them. Everybody came to me. We were doing 10, 15 of them a month at least. Okay. So anyway, point is when we were doing those, I was tracking how much were the real estate agents getting paid. And on average, they were getting paid just slightly under three times more than what we were getting paid on our loans. And so, you know, when I looked at that, I said, you know what? Okay, it's time. It's time. I, I, you know, in real estate, I can put a buyer on an exclusive contract. If they hire another real estate agent, they buy another house through another real estate agent, then they still have to pay me that 3% commission. Uh, I can put a listing an exclusive contract that if that house sells, they're going to pay me a commission. So if I, if I have that, but I can't do that in loans, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a place where I can know that if I'm working with people, they're going to get on the contract and that commission is locked in and I can count on it. Right? Well, so I decided to go into real estate and uh, I went to one of our large independent companies locally here and I said, okay, uh, you know, let's do this. Well, I went to a few trainings and things like that. I went through their little, you know, whatever they call it, their quick start thing and, and get up, 
dated and oriented and everything. And I said, okay, great, let's go. I got the, I know I've got the marketing materials because I developed them, you know, long before I was an agent. And as a result, I became, you know, the top agent in that office fast. Now, keep in mind, this company had, I want to say at the time, it was like three or four, maybe 5,000 people in Southern California, agents in Southern California. And so, um, you know, becoming the top agent in the office, I was, again, probably top 5%, maybe, uh, of the entire office, uh, maybe 10%, I don't know. Uh, point is, I'm having success. For my area, I was doing really, really well. That went on for a while, and then they started grooming me for management. They they wanted me to get into management because they knew my training skills and and my marketing materials and things like that. And there was something that happened at one meeting. The owner was there, all the other managers were there, the CEO was there, all this stuff. And there was a discussion about one agent in particular. And this guy, uh, he was doing way better than I was, way better. <laughs> um, and he was on the 90% split. And so, you know, he was making a lot of money on all, on all of his sales, which again, he was making a lot of money. And they were having a conversation of, you know, how do we get rid of this guy? And, you know, I was confused. Like, why would you get rid of this guy? First of all, because he's part of the company, people come to our company, number one. Number two, the guy has a huge market share in the area that he's servicing. Okay, he was part of another office. But, um, you know, so he has a huge market share. Why would we get rid of him? And... I piped up and I said, well, we should probably actually be giving him more support. We should give him, you know, put an assistant in his office or give him more marketing materials or give him a market, marketing budget or something so he can continue that. And what the owner said just shocked me. It shocked me. He said, he told me, and he was a little upset when he said this, he said, Anthony, he said, he's on a 90% split. So that means we make 10% of every transaction that he does, 10%. We currently recruit, you know, 50 to 100 new agents every single month. Each of those agents, we know for a fact, because they've had years and years and years of numbers on this, we know for a fact that a majority of them are going to come in and they're going to sell mom and dad's house. They're going to sell another friend or family member's house. They're going to get lucky and they're going to sell a third one before they realize how difficult and expensive this business is to be in. So, and those people are all on a 50% split. So, in order to get the equivalent percentage from that guy who's on a 90% split, he had to sell, um, he had to sell 15 homes. He had to sell 15 homes to get, for the company to get the equivalent of what that one agent had to sell three homes. And the management and resources and, and everything that went behind all of that to them wasn't worth it. 
The owner was basically just saying, hey, let's burn and churn agents. Let's burn and churn agents. We're going to get three from everybody and off they go. And that made me sick. I mean, that really made me sick. And I know not all brokers are like that. That's not the, that's not the point here. I'm just kind of sharing with you my story, my experience, and kind of the things that drove me to the direction that it did. Uh, you know, because it was then I realized that as an agent, I got no real value to my brokerage. You know, yeah, value and friendships and relationships and things like that. But from a dollars and cents standpoint, because I was getting to that point too. You know, I think I had worked up the tier to the 80% um, bracket. You know, but my eyes were open. I was no different than anyone else in their eyes. No better than anyone. I may have worked harder, you know, and I made great sacrifices to get to where I was getting to. But for them, they're like, hey, we'd rather just have a bunch of agents come in, do their three deals and get out. It's cheaper to train these agents and get them in and make the 50% the times three versus having one great agent who's crushing the marketplace. You know, I, I, it was, I get how they come to that conclusion, but at the same time, I don't get it. <laughs> so anyway, you know, that kind of stuck with me. And so I kind of pulled out of the whole management um, path. You know, I just kind of slowly just kind of creep my way out of there because I didn't want to be part of that at all not my nature not my nature at all and so i started going to you know listening to different trainers and marketers and things like that and one of the things that kept coming up was that i had i realized that i had to stand out i've said this before but it, it kept coming back to me it kept coming back to me i have to stand out i have to specialize i have to be different and so i'm sitting there going well what's that what what do I what do I do different, you know? And and I apply what's called the so what rule, okay? Uh, and this is a game that I would play with uh, real estate agents that I was coaching and training and whatnot. And I would say I would say to them, what makes you different? And you know we get answers all the time like this. Well, because we care. And I'm like, really? You think? that nobody else cares? Do you really think nobody else cares? And if you're listening to this and that's kind of your thing, think about it. Do you think nobody else cares? Do you think people buy that, that you're the only one who cares? No. Uh, and so I say, so what? Everybody else cares. Well, what else makes you different? Well, we're available all the time. So what? Everybody else is available all the time. Well, you know, we like what we do. So what? You know, all these so what things. And as I did that with myself. I said, okay, what what do I do? You know, I could specialize in horse property. I could specialize in, you know, mansions, things like that. But that wasn't, to me, that wasn't enough of a specialty, right? And one day I got a flyer come, that came across my uh, inbox and it was promoting a seminar. The seminar was titled the easiest sale you'll ever make probate right i was like wow okay the easiest sale i'll ever make okay i like that that sounds good i like the easiest sale i ever make what's probate i knew i kind of you know i mean i knew what it was i've never done one never been involved in one never took the time to learn anything about it 
But, you know, uh, it sounded interesting. I thought, okay, well, let's go check it out. Well, I went to the seminar and I was excited. I was actually really excited because it's like, oh, this is something new. Cool. I really, you know, I'm excited to hear this. And I really didn't know what to expect. And when I got there, I was like, wow, okay, this is cool. The, the room was bulging with agents. I mean, literally just packed at the seams, you know, and you got everybody's chit-chatting and networking and talking and, and all this stuff. And every once in a while, you kind of have that, you know, that grumpy old agent walking by because, well, they had to sit in a hotel room chair, you know, that, you know, how they clip together so that you can't move it. And, you know, that, that person next to you touched you or something, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you could just tell that they're like, I've been to a lot of these and I hate them, but. I need to learn stuff too. And so I was excited. That was the, the energy was really, really cool. It was about 500 agents. It was just, you know, a, a great experience for me. And it was funny because I actually heard an agent say, Oh, well, looks like the probate niche is going to be saturated now. And I just laughed. I laughed. I mean, wow, what a pessimistic view, right? I'm like, Oh man, okay, great. There's 500 agents, and at the time, there was probably, you know, 10,000 agents in the county that I worked. So, you know, hey, that's the, those are pretty good odds right there. So I wasn't discouraged because there's something that I knew from my previous marketing experience. First of all, I knew that only very few agents will ever follow through with a serious action plan. I knew it. And even some of you that are listening here, as we continue this journey and I share with you some of the steps and things that I went through and, 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 and how I became the probate agent in our area, um, you're going to go, ah, that's neat. And you're not going to have an action plan. You're going to keep going with the same, you know, shotgun approach of just trying to get everybody and, and, and everything. And I, and I understand it because, man, we got to, feed our family and the competition is fierce um you know and yeah you know so i knew some of those agents would send the letters to the you know attorneys and or executors i knew some of them would make a trip or two to the courthouse you know but it usually ended right there uh and i knew it and i'll tell you about that in another episode but uh while i was at the meeting i took vigorous notes you know, and of course they had the package to buy, right? You can buy this package or that package. Or that. I bought the big package. I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to be the probate agent, you know, because in the end, man, all I wanted was just, I wanted a sustainable business that made my mortgage payment every month, paid the bills, allowed me and my wife to travel, have some fun, enjoy life like we deserved, right? That's all I wanted. You know, I just I, I, I wanted my wife to feel 100% secure because, you know, we were thinking about starting a family and I had a decent salary with the, the mortgage company. I had a salary, man, and I gave that up for commission sales. I remember the day I told her that I walked in and said, hey, honey, guess what? I gave up this big salary for the time. It was a big salary, actually. Uh, you know, I gave up this big salary. Guess what? I'm going into commission sales, you know. And after I revived her, you know, she was freaked out. She was really freaked out because, whew, you know, that was a big leap of faith, you know. And 
all I wanted to was I just wanted to be the go-to person so that when a friend or a family has a need that I would be the person that they that they come to you know uh, later on I'll tell you you know I had a a family member they called me up they said hey can uh, you know can you can you let me borrow you know a few hundred bucks so well yeah sure what for uh, we need to rent a moving truck I'm like what a moving truck they just bought their their house but you know, two years earlier, three years earlier, or something like that. So what do you mean a moving truck? Where are you guys moving? Where are you going? What's going on? And, you know, reluctantly, they told me, well, we're in foreclosure. Well, because of the work that I did, and because I was able to specialize in something, I ended up being able to write a $10,000 check that same day, get all of their back payments brought up, get all of their uh, uh, other bills straightened out, all the fines, all the fees, everything like that, and even cover the, and, and actually I ended up later covering a couple more payments just to give them time to be able to deal with it and react in a way that wasn't um, them making a desperate decision. You know what I mean? So that's what I wanted. I wanted to be the go-to person for friends and family. Instead of being the one, I always had to go to somebody to ask for a few bucks, right? And I wanted my clients to love and adore me and forced to be re to, to refer me to their friends and family because of the work that I was doing, you know? And that's just what I wanted. I mean, is that unreasonable to ask for with a career? So, you know, as, a, as much as I wanted to at the time, though, I couldn't dive 100% into probate because, you know, I still had bills to pay and... While the shotgun approach was a whole lot more um, time-consuming and strenuous and and whatnot, you know, it's what I still had to do just to make sure I kept business coming in. But I did everything that the trainers told me to do in that big package that I bought. Go to the courthouse and dig through hundreds of records to find that executor's name and phone number, you know. And I did this until my eyes were so bloodshot they were about to slip right out of my eye sockets um i bought the lists that they made available every single month that proved to be you know outdated lists i stalked family members at the decedent's house to try to make that connection to be that agent that connected with them like those trainers told us to do and in fact i was so tenacious at this that I would go and I would sit in my car and I would sit there and wait and wait and wait until somebody showed up. And in one case, it's actually kind of funny, um, I was parked out across the street in front of the neighbor's house waiting for that executor to arrive. I knew they were going to come. They had to come one of these days, get mail, whatever, clean stuff up, check things out. And no, the executor never showed up. Somebody else showed up, though. The police. Yes, somebody called the police because there's this creepy guy sitting out in front of their house for two and a half hours. I don't blame him, you know, but <laughs> I had to sit there and explain to the cops, hey, I'm just waiting for this guy, you know. Uh, and, you know, they didn't do anything or say anything. They just, uh, okay, someone just wanted to check. Um, I sent hundreds of letters to attorneys. I sent hundreds of letters to those executors. And you know what? All with no luck. All with no luck. Wow. I did everything the trainer said, you know. 
And again, this is all while I continue to do my regular farming and list follow-ups and things like that. So it was daunting to say the least to find myself working so hard with no results. Ultimately, I did manage to get a couple of reluctant listing appointments. And while I didn't get the listings, I did learn something very valuable that changed the probate game for me. In every case that I was on a listing appointment, the executor, whether it's a family member or someone else, they all would say, I have to check with my attorney. Now, later on, I realized that that phrase, as soon as it came out of their mouth, was the death of my chances of getting that listing, no matter how good I was, no matter what I was offering and everything. And the reason I know that is because it would always end up being listed by another agent. Even when I followed up with the executor, stuff like that, well, you know, uh, you know, we had to hire this other person. And sometimes the executors would tell me that, well, their attorney recommended somebody and so they're going with them. Why? Because they trust their attorney. And then on some cases I would go and I would visit the open houses of those listings, you know, and just chit chat with the agent and basically come to the conclusion or be able to extract from them that, you know, they got the listing from a referral from their attorney friend. Well, guess who that was? It was in fact the probate attorney handling the estate's probate. And it was then that I had to get to the attorney somehow. The letters weren't working, but I had to get to him somehow, some way. So I devised a plan. And we'll take a look at how that plan looked in our next episode of The Probate Agent. Hey, thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe right here where you're listening to us right now and any of your other social media platforms. And leave feedback for me. It's really important to me and it helps us out. Do you have a question that you want answered live on the show? Go to theprobateagent.com to submit your question or even to get an opportunity to be interviewed. For my agent friends, you'll also find additional content and some freebies there that you can download right now. Until next time, let's put the pro back into probate. Thank you.